0: Welcome here to episode 143. So there are a few groups of people that can benefit from today's episode. So, are you on the pill? Have you been on the pill before? Are you in a relationship with a woman that simply has hormones? Are you and your partner preparing to have a baby? Or are you in perimenopause and things are going a bit haywire in the hormone department? My mum actually calls them (laughs) hormones. If any of this sounds like where you're at in life, then this episode is for you because we're discussing the nutritional deficiencies that can result from hormonal birth control, as well as the cumulative damage that they can do to the body how that interrupts the body's normal menstrual cycle and preparing for a baby, and the type of nutrition and diet that you can use to get your hormones heading in the right direction, irrelevant of your stage of life. Oh, and fellas, this might sound like an episode for the women in your life, but if you're in a relationship with a woman that has hormones, it might be worth getting some insider knowledge. So you tune in as well. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back to today's epic interview episode of the show. It's my mission to coach 250 men and women to lose weight and be their healthiest self before the end of 2021. In today's conversation, we have the very wonderful Samantha Gladish, who I connected with via the Quit Sugar Summit in 2020. Then we did the old Instagram DM thing, and here we are. So who is Samantha Gladish? Samantha is a registered holistic nutritionist, weight loss coach, hormone fixer-upper, and author of the Amazon bestseller, The 30-Day Hormone Solution. She is also the host of Canada's top-rated podcast, Healthy Hormones for Women, She's the founder of HolisticWellness.ca, a website dedicated to helping women lose weight and balance their hormones with delicious food, which obviously we all love here on the show. Bring on the delicious food. Her philosophy is that through changing the way we eat, think, move and care for our bodies, we can heal ourselves and live a life of more power and possibility. As an extension of her work as a health coach, she also developed a mentorship program for practitioners and nutritionists that are building their online clinics and businesses. Samantha speaks internationally on all things wellness, health, and entrepreneurship, and in her spare time, you can find her baking up delicious, healthy treats in her kitchen, which I'd love to be the recipient of, but we have a mere 16,263 kilometers separating us right now. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Samantha. How are you?
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm great. And that was a really sweet intro.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're very welcome. You're very deserving of it. (laughs) Oh,
1: thanks. That means a lot.
0: So uh, you've had such massive success with your, I guess, your business, your website, your podcast. But I'd love to go back to before you decided on kind of your niche. So every nutritionist has their area that they really love working in and that they thrive in. Yes. How did you end up? in the hormone space, like what led you there? What was the journey and why are you so passionate about it?
1: Totally. So I, I feel like many practitioners who are in the health and wellness space, we end up getting into this, into the space because of our own health journeys, right. And our own Mm -hmm. health struggles. And, um, so that was definitely the story with me. I dealt with a lot of PMS pain and PMS issues and symptoms in my teens. And like most young girls at that age, we were told to go on the birth control pill. And I remember seeing, you know, a lot of my friends around that time having these easy breezy cycles and being on the pill and just, you know, nothing to worry about. And so I remember going to my doctor's office and just saying, I have all this pain. I have all this discomfort. I have cramps. And, you know, I I think I should go on the pill. And he basically handed me a pack of pills and I walked out that day and that was it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't told about any side effects or, you know, what to expect or really how to take it. Like, there. Wasn't much about that. I was literally in and out in about five or six minutes, and uh, I started on them that that day. And yes, it did give me these quote unquote e- easy breezy, you know, cycles, mm-hmm. uh, which was nice, you know, especially when you're a teenager and you're kind of like going through those uncomfortable years yeah. and uncomfortable in your body and all of that, right? Totally. And so yeah, so I um, it wasn't until many years later that I um started to just dive deeper into nutrition and wellness and, and um, just like physiology. And and I started to realize, okay, this is, this is not okay. Like this Mm. is, I, I don't think I should be taking this. And I was always really innately interested in health and wellness and food and nutrition. And so I, um, yeah, I started to just kind of take it upon myself to dive in a lot deeper and do some research. And um around that time, I also landed on, um, the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. And I realized, oh my God, I could actually study nutrition. I could be a nutritionist. This is amazing. And I didn't even know that was like a career option. And so I, uh, I applied to the school and within the first month I ditched the pill and started wow. implementing all that I was learning in, in school. And, um and yeah, that kind of began my journey. And so I started really in the niche of supporting women with their periods and their cycles and helping them to ditch the pill and support. Their bodies. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it started for me.
0: That's amazing. So there's, I've got so many questions. Um, I have had a partner. I watched her go through her journey with detoxing from the pill um, and getting off the pill and all the problems that it caused with endometriosis and adenomyosis and a, a heap of different things. And so I'm sort of f- familiar with the sort of detoxification process. So what I'm curious about is. Uh, you know, the narrative, I guess the Western medical narrative is that, you know, doctors and medicines are the, the best thing ever and we shouldn't question them and trying to counteract any type of biological problem with nutrition is often laughable right. um, in that realm, right? So how did you so quickly connect that you needed to get off the pill, like, you know, going to that sort of education body? Why, why only one month? And and I assume it was against medical advice, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I didn't even have a conversation with my doctor, really. I didn't go and sit down and say, "Hey, I think I should come off of this." Like I just took it upon myself and I just stopped taking the pill. Mm-hmm. Um and you know whether that was the right or the wrong thing to do, like that that was what just felt right for me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was always like I was saying, you know, I I was always innately interested in health and wellness and and food and nutrition, and so when it came to you know, supporting skin or my hair or whatever it was. Like I always went the natural route. Like I was, that was always my Mm go-to. And so when I was studying at nutrition school, it, just kind of, you know, hit me. I had this like aha moment of like, yeah. I am taking these synthetic hormones and I'm, I'm trying to do everything else natural in my life. So I think, you know, I'm I'm going to stop this because I'm, I'm learning the impact that it's having on my ovulation and my cycle and the mm-hmm. nutrient deficiencies and the gut issues that are coming with it. So I just kind of, you know, instinctively knew, I think it's time to stop this. And, um, and so, and so I did.
0: I think as well a thing that most uh, women don't realise that uh, sort of prescribe the pill is that many of the things that the GP will prescribe it for are actually side effects of, you know, why they're suggesting it instead of, you know, it's obviously... It's it's essentially a hormone replacement therapy to prevent childbirth, right? And all of these other benefits, whether it be pimples, whether it be you know these sort of symptoms you're having around your period, the PMS, that kind of thing, they're prescribing it as a band aid solution to these sort of untested uh, symptoms that people experience in their everyday life. uh, Instead of obviously you know going and finding the cause of the issue, why is PMS happening? Why are these issues happening around your cycle? Why is your cycle not regular? you know and, and some even promote the idea that you know if you you can just take this all month every month and not even have a cycle you don't even have totally. to bleed every month yes right and yeah. so i think i think you know that kind of awareness needs to get out there that these things are these drugs are not for those types of solutions and when you're suppressing right. those experiences in your body you're just masking a, a bigger problem right
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you're right. Like the pill now is just prescribed because, oh, I have a headache, you know, oh, I have acne, Mm -hmm. you know, just all sorts of things. And, you know, it's interesting. We take the pill because we want to be like, sexually liberated and feel this like freedom in our bodies. And mm-hmm. then we go on the pill and then we like our libido is crushed. We, our hair's falling out and thinning our, you know, our libido, our, our energy is, you know, depleted. Our nutrients are depleted. So we're, we we do not have the energy capacity. Like maybe we did uh, just like, so many things start to shift in our body. And it's like, we take this because we think it's going to be the opposite effect. And actually that's not what happens in the amount of side effects that women are dealing with and even just digestive issues and, you know, gut issues that come along with that, um, and sluggish digestion. And then, you know, we start to just not feel good. And then we go back to the doctor and with all of these symptoms and, you know, of course, it's not the pill that's causing it. So let's <laughs> give you this, <laughs> right? Of course not. And so either let's change the dosing of your pill or the brand of the pill, or, you know, let's add on this other medication because you're dealing with migraines or digestive issues. And it just becomes this whole downward spiral of more medications and getting farther and farther away from the root cause of actually healing your hormones.
0: I think it's good that you mentioned that, you know, the sexual liberation is the motivation the irony is that the libido drops and as well yes. you know mental health and depression and anxiety are really common symptoms as well because yes. as you said the nutrient deficiencies they after you take it for a couple of years that can be catastrophic and particularly for b vitamins which you know build your neurotransmitters which yes. contribute to your happiness your serotonin your dopamine all of those different you know sort of neurotransmitters that produce a happy experience in life. And so you can have all these symptoms that, you know, we're blaming on maybe a childhood trauma that wasn't really that impactful or, you know, all of these other things that are actually the pill.
1: (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. You know, I don't think we realize the importance of those nutrients and how they impact us from head to toe, right? From our appetite and our and our sexual energy to just our, our sleep, our, our motivation, our focus, our digestion, like, you know, it plays a role in everything. And so, um, it's just, it's so heartbreaking seeing so many women struggling with so many of these symptoms and there's actually quick ultimately quick fixes for them, but, you know, they're, they're not willing to perhaps maybe do the work and track their cycle and track ovulation and, um, and, you know, come off the pill. I think, I mean, I see it in my practice. I see a lot of women that, are willing to take that step. Of course, mm-hmm. they, they're they recognizing, you know, all the symptoms that are showing up and they realize like this is a real detriment to their health. But then there's the flip side where I d- we do have women who are just not willing to ditch the pill and we're trying to do all these other things. And it's kind of hard because it's like you're pushing this really big boulder up the hill. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's like you got to remove that one thing that's actually causing all these symptoms versus trying to like, you know, mask it with all this other stuff. So... I mean, it goes both both ways, and I'm not here to judge anybody about their decision that they want to make with the pill. you know everybody needs to make a decision that that's right for them for me, it's about bringing awareness and really educating women about the detriments and then from there, they can really make a powerful and more um you know better decision for their health and their body
0: out of curiosity, when people sort of resist coming off it, is it because they lose that um freedom with their body sexually or is it because the detox period can be so painful and low and depressing and which reason is the main reason that people avoid that process?
1: Yeah. So interestingly enough, it's often has to do with skin. Mm -hmm. So when you're taking synthetic hormones, especially estrogen, it will give you beautiful skin. Mm -hmm. And that is why often the pill is recommended for you know hormonal acne. And and so don't get me wrong, yeah, it it can be helpful for that, but you're not deficient in synthetic estrogen and that's why you're having hormonal acne. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something else that's going on there from either liver detox, gut health, nutrition, whatever it might be that's causing that hormonal acne and we got to get to the root of that to fix it. Mm-hmm. And so many women are scared to come off the pill because they know they're going to go through a period where they're going to break out and they're just not willing to have, um, you know, blemishes and skin breakouts. I know that definitely happened with me. I came off of the pill and there was a good six months of breakouts and nothing crazy. I mean, nothing crazy. I just kind of have to get over that hump while your body is sort of recalibrating itself. And, um, so that's actually been the number one reason is that I don't want to come off the pill because, I don't want to have bad skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's often the thing that I find the most. And then also we do have women that have, they've they've gone off the pill in the past mm-hmm. and they never got their cycle back. Mm-hmm. And so they have this idea that being on the pill, even though the the bleed that you get on the pill is not a true period, it's called a pill bleed. So there's a lot of women that feel like, they're having a cycle but it's really a fake cycle and they're just not willing to let go of the pill because it almost you know gives them this false sense that yeah they're they're somehow regulated but they're they're really not um, so, yeah, I mean, all, all sorts of reasons, you know, PCOS, there's a lot of symptoms that show up with PCOS and um, facial hair growth and cystic acne. And again, you know, women are like, I don't want to go through that. And the pill has like suppressed all these symptoms. So, I mean, I get it. I, I totally get it. It's uncomfortable to want to let go of the thing that you think is supporting you and healing your body. But unfortunately you're just pushing issues deeper and deeper and deeper into the body that, you know, if you're on the pill for 10 plus years and now comes that time where you're thinking about starting a family, you know, to really swing the pendulum back to bring your hormones back into balance, it could be really, really challenging and difficult for you to do that.
0: It's interesting. You mentioned the amenorrhea because I actually know someone that came off the pill and didn't have a period for eight years. <gasps>
1: That's a really long time,
0: yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> oh my
1: God, yeah, I think that's the longest I've ever heard i've definitely we've had women that like maybe two years, three years tops where I've seen where they, they haven't had a had a period, and typically, what's happening is you know the pill can actually bring on p c o s so it can actually impact your receptors and how you are uptaking insulin. Mm -hmm. And so what ends up happening is women come off of the pill and now they're insulin resistant and now they start developing insulin resistant PCOS and they don't have a cycle. Mm -hmm. So, and then that insulin ends up driving up testosterone and then they have cystic acne and then they have facial hair growth. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of these symptoms that start to arise. So it's, you know, the pill can actually bring on PCOS. And there's been some interesting research and studies showing the impact of of the pill on on insulin.
0: I think it's really interesting, too, that you mentioned their fertility because... Um, sort of going with the narrative that we started with that the doctor is just you know telling us it's all going to be super easy and simple. There's so many gynecologists and fertility doctors that are like oh yeah just go off the pill and in a couple of months you'll have a baby and it'll be amazing. Right. And so many people come off the pill and either have amenorrhea so no cycle so obviously their body's not preparing to be able to carry a child. Right. Um, And there's these nutritional deficiencies play out you know or, or take so long to recover not to mention that most people coming off don't have adequate nutrition to replace those catastrophically low supplies. So then they might have to enter IVF unnecessarily and go through all of these unnatural processes. So I think it's really important that people understand that they have to rebuild their body after coming off the pill.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, a simple way to kind of put it is that your ovaries are essentially, they've become lazy in a way, right? Your Mm -hmm. ovaries, you know, produce your estrogen and progesterone and when you're taking the pill, well, it's almost like you're telling your ovaries, hey, you don't need to produce those hormones anymore because we've got these synthetic hormones over here that are going to do the work for us. So, you know, so then your ovaries kind of shut down and then you stop taking the pill and now to kickstart your ovaries to get working again, they need nutrition. You know, they need, they need that, that support. And if you're not giving it to to them, then yeah, it's, it's going to take some time for them to regulate, to self-regulate. So, Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's important that 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 you brought that up, and and it's unfortunate because so many women do come off of the pill with the hopes that oh, in another month or two, I'm going to get pregnant, and you know that's that can often just not be the case.
0: Mm, absolutely. So I guess going on with this narrative, we're kind of bringing this to probably many people's minds right now for the first time, or the, the listeners are either on the pill or they've got daughters that are on the pill, mm-hmm. and so. What would you suggest is step one to prepare for this process? Uh, Because obviously, everybody's body is different. Everybody's genetics and experience is unique. And so, everyone's going to have a different experience coming off. So, what would you suggest is step one and two?
1: Yeah. So would you mean like step one for somebody maybe considering going on the pill or Um,
0: going, no, sorry, coming off,
1: coming off of the pill. Okay. So Mm -hmm. if you're coming off, then what I typically recommend is before you officially stop support your body, give your body as much nutrition and support that, that you absolutely can. So, Mm -hmm. um, some of the key nutrition, um, some of the key nutrients that the body is going to need that the pill will deplete are, is zinc. Zinc is really important for estrogen metabolism and um, it's also really important for the thyroid. So supplementing with zinc, magnesium is a woman's best friend. Um, it's amazing <laughs> for detoxification, for women's hormonal health, um, for progesterone. It's also uh, really great for sleep and anxiety and uh, the pill will also deplete your magnesium store. So really important to supplement with that. Um, also some really good omega-3s because... Um, that's very anti-inflammatory and uh, we need fats. Our hormones need fat to function. And Mm -hmm. so zinc, magnesium, omega-3s, like that could be a really great start um, supplement wise for women to get on. So stay you're still on the pills, still stay on it, go on the supplement protocol, um, take a look at sleep, take a look at hydration, take a look at your nutrition. You know, are you eating a lot of gluten, dairy, sugar, you know, which are the top three inflammatory culprits? You know, maybe it's time to start eliminating that and really giving the body the opportunity to truly, to truly heal. It's like removing those things allows the body to really take a deep breath right? And Mm -hmm. so remove those things from the body. And then maybe after you do that for a good two or three months, now you can come off of the pill, right? You've provided your body with enough, like really good nutrition. And then Mm -hmm. now you can come off of the pill. Um, And then at that point, it can be really hard to say where you go from there because it really depends. Somebody might get their cycle back in the next month, no problem. Somebody else mm-hmm. may not, right? And and everybody's symptoms are going to be different. So at that point, it might make sense like working with a practitioner so that you just have a plan in place um, so that you can really have a strategic you know protocol to, to follow for yourself um, and have some, some accountability there for sure. Um, yeah. And the other thing too that I will mention is that a lot of women dive into testing into hormone testing like right away um or they dive into hormone testing even while they're on the pill and you Mm. actually can't test your hormones while you're taking synthetic hormones um so you're not going to get a true reading so you want to make sure that if you're going to do any sort of hormone testing you know in our practice and with our program we use the dutch hormone test with all of our Mm. clients and um I don't suggest doing that test until you've been off of the pill or any sort of hormonal contraceptive for at least three months. And then at that point, you can go ahead and test. And testing is wonderful because instead of guessing, um, you can actually (laughs) test and really get some data and see what's Mm -hmm. truly going on. And from there, it will give you, um, you can have more of a sort of strategic protocol that you can put in place and follow based on, you know, your unique sort of blueprint.
0: The link is in the show notes below. Mm, amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I think that'll be super valuable steps for people to be, begin the process or at least begin having the confidence to be like, oh, I can potentially change this. For sure. Um, because I, I would probably argue in, in many ways that a lot of the hormonal issues or perimenopause issues that people have is potentially, you know, it's kind of like stealing years from the future with um, – taking a hormonal birth control is that, yeah, you get your sexual frivolity and all the things you want to do now and freedom. Um, but that is potentially at the cost of your forties going down the drain because mm-hmm. you've done this for like 10, 15, 20 years. And so, you know, the impact that the sort of, in my opinion, the sooner that you can get off the better because the less years that you will steal from the future.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God. That's like, that's a great way to put it. I love that.
0: So, yeah. Well, in your experience, when people do get to, I guess, sort of going from that, you know, 20s, 30s, living the dream kind of woman <laughs> to um, 40s, 50s, that perimenopausal phase, what, what is the major contributor in that era of life with uh, ho- hormones going crazy? Is it from, you know, the, the lag from the pill or is there heaps of other things too?
1: Oh, my God. There's so many things. And <laughs> I mean, the pill can definitely you know be a contributing factor to that for sure. Um like you said, you know, the longer you stay on it, um the wor- like the worse it is, you know? Ultimately, mm-hmm. you are just suppressing your natural sort of hormonal harmony. Yeah. Um and so the pill can definitely play a role in that, but there are so many things that start to happen and shift in a woman's body beyond 40. Um I mean, I'm 38 and I can just speak to, you know, in my being in my late thirties, the differences and the changes that I experienced based on, you know, from my twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like the level of resiliency is very different, right? Like I, I can't drink alcohol. I can't stay up late. Um, and if I do, and if I have just like one night of sleep or one night, you know, lack of sleep, it like throws me off, you know, whereas in my twenties, like I could drink all night and go to bed at seven in the morning and go to work for 9am. Like, you know, those are the things you could do in your twenties. I miss those days. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And that level of sort of resiliency is just, yeah, it's, it's just not the same as, as you start to head, you know, into your forties and there's, So many things that impact that. I mean, we do have hormonal decline that starts to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, it can happen as early as 35 where you can have, Mm. um, you know, estrogen dropping as well as progesterone. You know, once you're in your 40s and your progesterone drops, like it's not coming back. Unfortunately, (laughs) it is just not coming back. And progesterone is... Uh, you know such an important sex hormone it is mm. going to give you that balance and that calm um it's it's what I like to refer to as the fat cat and the estrogen is the sex kitten <laughs> so <laughs> you know the the fat cat that's like cuddly and calm and chill and um, you know that's what progesterone gives you it's it's kind of like nature's um valerium is so to speak right or is it valerium or valium valium, valium? I, I i don't know but <laughs> i don't <know laughs> um, mean one of those yes and so um it's just really calming to the body and as that starts to drop women start to find themselves more anxious mm-hmm. and more moody and just more irritable and snappy, right? And that starts to change in our forties because of that that drop in, uh, in progesterone. Um, and estrogen really can go both ways. Some women mm-hmm. do experience because that progesterone drops, the estrogen can actually go a little bit too high and you can get more of those estrogen dominant type symptoms. So women can start to experience more heavier flows and more discomfort around their cycle mm-hmm. um, in their forties. And again, like it can go either way, you know, so maybe even estrogen for some women might be dropping and then they're finding they're having low libido, their skin is changing, there's more, more dryness that's happening um, overall in their body. Um, so these are the things that start to happen and why they happen mm-hmm. is... I mean, number one, I hate to say it, but yes, it, it it is a natural progression that as we age, our hormones will decline. But if we really want to optimize them and support them as best as possible, then whole foods diet, movement, stress, sleep, and you know, living a low tox lifestyle—that's mm-hmm. what's really going to optimize our our hormones for for as much uh, for as long as possible. Um, but then, you know, just going back to why these things happen. Multiple things. So stress is a really big one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in our forties, typically women are, um, I would say like their their mid to late thirties to their forties are are reaching this peak in perhaps like their careers and they're very mm-hmm. driven. And, you know, they've had kids by that time. So there's this like 10 year, maybe 15 year gap of you know, work and stress and kids and just trying to work life balance and this busyness and this craziness and not putting themselves first and family first. And so you hit like your mid forties and you're just like, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> all, what's happened all of to the me? Things. <laughs> yes, yeah. all of the things start to hit, right? Um, and then we I mean, there's so many things. Uh definitely toxins are going to play a role here. So mm-hmm. as we start to age, we have more of this exposure to environmental toxins. Um, right. So whether mm-hmm. that's through our food, through our body care, through our cleaning products, you know, just out. Out in the environment, of course, we're going to be exposed to natural everyday toxins. And so the more we age, we have more of that exposure to these toxins and a lot of these xenoestrogens that can really start to almost mimic estrogen in our body and lead to estrogen dominant type symptoms. Mm. Um, So there's so many, so many factors that can really play a role
0: here. Totally. You mentioned something in there before, which I really wanted to pull out and sort of put on a big banner (laughs) and- It is that menopause, you you said it happens. Menopause is not a medical condition. It has happened to women for all of human history. It's (laughs) part of being a woman. And just like childbirth, the Western medical industry treats it like it's a medical condition that shouldn't be happening or that's wrong. And it is part of life. Having a baby is part of life. It's a natural process. We did it before there were hospitals here. And the same with menopause, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you so much for saying that. And especially hearing it from a man, it means a lot. <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's really, that's really powerful coming from you. And I so appreciate you saying that. And it's so true. It's, it's not a medical condition. This is a part of life. This is yes. a part of aging and let's not hate our bodies through this process. I know that it can be really challenging and it can be difficult and so many changes start to happen, but mm-hmm. those, 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 the symptoms will be worse and the transition will be worse when you're just not taking care of yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. I heard um, in Australian Aboriginal Medicine, which has been around for you know, a cheeky 40,000 years, um, the, they talk about it from going from your maternal phase of life or your mother years to your wisdom keeper years. And I mm-hmm. love that. I do love that. Yes, it's so true. You mentioned as well stress, um, and I think this is what this is what I, as a man, remember fully, full disclosure, I'm a man. I've never been through any of this. Um, so, you know, I don't, I'm not speaking from experience, just observation and, you know, research papers. But this is my thought, um, is that the reason women are so resilient when it comes to managing stress and don't speak up uh, and just take on all of the things is, is because their point of reference for most women that have had children for pain and stress is childbirth, and everything after that is basically easier. We can manage that. <laughs> I gave birth to three children. Totally. Like, and so we, and it's it's obviously to their detriment because you know they you know women are you know being the mum, they're con- you know managing the family, managing the career, doing the things without any complaint, never prioritizing themselves, and so their point, their sort of marker for this is quite painful is childbirth and anything below that, they just soldier on through.
1: It's so true. And you know what? Like I'm not a mother and I don't have kids, so I definitely can't speak to that. But I can definitely speak to all the clients I've worked with and all the mothers I've worked with. Yes, they really are soldering through and just pushing, pushing, pushing and and people pleasing, you know, and putting mm. everybody else first. And I get that you're a mother, you know, you want to take care of your family. And I think it's just about reframing that, you know, it doesn't mean that because you're taking care of yourself that you're neglecting your family. Mm-hmm. I think that's often how some women see it is that, you know, it's a selfish thing to put myself first it's a selfish thing to have self-care and it's not and it only means you're going to show up more powerfully for yourself and for your family and you're also going to lead by example which is which is a really beautiful thing for your children to witness
0: I think in my experience because the demographic of women that I work with are predominantly in their 40s and predominantly mothers. There's a few ether side of that. There's a few young optimizers. Love them. Uh, They're awesome. And a few people a bit older too. But I guess my question to you as sort of a fellow practitioner is, how do, you, how do you manage that psychology? Because I think a lot of people know that the information and advice that we give, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. But it's the psychology of mum putting herself first. Mm-hmm. So what are your tips to navigate that um, for, you know, mums that are like, I know I've got to look after myself, but I just, I can't kind of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I always say to my clients, like, I don't care what you know, I care what you do. I love that. So I want you to pull out your calendar right now. And even if it's just 30 minutes this week, where can you schedule in this one thing Mm -hmm. for yourself? Just this one thing. It's just 30 minutes once this week. And it really is. It's like, it's like taking on this quest for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. I don't like to call it homework. It's like a quest, right? And so if they can make that commitment in real time with me in the moment, it's more likely that they're going to commit to it. Mm-hmm. So it's something that like we've committed together. They've given me their word and really helping clients to understand like the integrity of their word of keeping their word mm-hmm. to themselves, right? They keep their word to everybody else and their family and around them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's about keeping that word to yourself and really honoring that and the commitment to you. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if I can get them to do that in real time and pull out their phone or, you know, whatever their calendar, their agenda and write it down and make that commitment. Um, and we you talk, talk that through together. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more than likely to commit to that. So often that's really what it starts with. It's just that one thing, that one small commitment, that 30 minute window that you can give to yourself. And then from there, you know, you can expand on that.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that integrity of your own word. I literally just wrote it down. It's awesome. I have similar process um, that yeah, I sort of highlight, try and highlight. It's like you keep promises to everyone else, but you can't even keep a promise to yourself. And so um, the exercise I get people to do is one small promise. So every day we make a tiny promise and it can be literally five minutes of silence in the car, no phone, no radio, like one. And and you've got to start building this integrity, as you say, this trust within your own physiology.
1: Oh, I love it. Yes. And I also like to batch my self-care. So for example, I will go in my infrared sauna using castor oil and mm-hmm. putting on a meditation app. So I do all three <laughs> at one and I'm like batching the self-care and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> Just the get it all done. self-care stack. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs>
0: So, what about nutrition so do you do you find that people with the hormone deficiencies or balance tend to have similar nutritional deficiencies or macronutrient deficiencies in their diet? And then, on the other side of the equation, do they tend to have a diet that supports recovery and stabilization of their hormones that's sort of you know most common amongst your clients or the people you see?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, It kind of does go across, you know, across the board in terms of we have a lot of women that work with us who are kind of already on that journey of going gluten free and dairy free and they're eating like a whole foods clean sort of. Paleo type diet, you know, approach, Mm -hmm. and then on the flip side, we do have women that are just, you know, have not started there at all and are really hesitant to make Mm -hmm. uh, to make that transition and to go through that process. Don't want to give up bread. Totally, (laughs) totally, it can definitely go both ways. And you know, for me, like I do a lot of recipe development, so I spend a lot of time in the kitchen. And for me, it's always about delicious food, right? I, I'm i not gonna have somebody come on board and work with us and give them just like some chicken and steamed broccoli. I think like a lot of women are in that mindset that in order to eat really healthy and eat really well, it's going to be really boring and it's just going to be, you know, just Mm. bland. Um, and that's not the case. You know, for me, I want, I really want you to enjoy food. It's yeah, food is meant to be, you know, enjoyed and pleasurable. And so I I just want women to see it in that way. And if I can get them a bit sort of like out of their comfort zone, cooking something new and trying something new, um, Mm -hmm. they can then often see like how amazing and how delicious it can be. So, um, for example, example in my book there are 60 gluten-free grain-free recipes and Mm -hmm. I hear from women all the time how like they have like ten different staples that they now cook in that book and their kids eat it and their husbands eat it and like the whole family loves it. And I'm like, exactly. Like I I know <laughs> these things, you know. Um this is why I've made this book because I know that once you start cooking this and actually seeing how delicious it can be, um, you're gonna be more inclined to wanna stick to it. So um for me ultimately I just want women sticking to a whole foods, anti-inflammatory diet. And so when I say whole foods, it's, you know, food that's coming from nature, Mm -hmm. um, and trying to not necessarily restrict, but limit the packaged foods right now, when I say packaged, you know, I think about things like, oh, but almond flour and coconut flour and, you know, (laughs) different things that do come in packages, which can be really great. But you know, the, um, you know, the, the, not so good, not so healthy package type foods, right? Yeah, the treats, super and the sugar processed, and all of that. super
0: refined.
1: Exactly, right? And so, um, focusing on just food that comes from nature. Eliminating gluten, uh, gluten, dairy and sugar, because those are really three of the biggest culprits for sure. Um, that are going to cause issues with blood sugar imbalances, gut mm-hmm. issues and digestion. Um, dairy can be quite inflammatory and very mucus forming. So just like eliminating mm-hmm. these things. And it's not to say that everybody reacts to dairy, but initially let's just take this out. And at some point we can reintroduce it and see how, you know, see how you do with it. Um, And so definitely taking those three out and then, you know, getting in protein is so essential. And I feel like so many women under eat protein. Oh, totally. Um, Yes. Like women are restricting carbohydrates and then they're eating like moderate fat and not enough protein and of course you're going to feel out of balance and lacking energy and falling asleep at your desk at three o'clock in the afternoon like that's why that happens right and so you need more protein do not be afraid of protein it is what it breaks down into amino acids, which go on to build your neurotransmitters, which play a role in everything, um, you know, from mood to appetite, to sex, to energy, to sleep, to all of it. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and not only that, it's going to help balance out your blood sugar. So you're going to feel very satiated. So you're not mm-hmm. reaching for sugar, your coffee and all of that, you know, an hour after you eat. Um, plus it's maintaining and, and, and supporting your muscle mass, which is- yeah. What declines as we age and that's, that is the number one thing that we want to maintain as we age is our muscle mass. Having mm-hmm. that muscle mass means we can burn efficiently through our calories really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the number one thing for longevity and yeah. healthy aging right mm-hmm. and so we really want to maintain that muscle mass as much as we can and that muscle mass will decline as our hormones start to decline so let's preserve that by getting in enough protein um so even if it's little things like throwing in some collagen powder and some beef gelatin into your coffee which is what mm-hmm. i do i'm like where can i optimize the protein at everything that i'm having throughout the day even like my liquids that i'm drinking right um so <laughs> i love it's that like you stack sneaking... everything <laughs> Tot- <laughs> totally totally Try to make it as easy as possible. Um, so protein is so essential. And fats, not to fear fats. And when I say fats, I'm talking about avocados and avocado oil and olive oil and you know those really good saturated fats that will come from grass-fed you know animal Mm. products or from grass-fed butter um ghee coconut oil all really great um you know some nuts and seeds um but definitely cutting out the uh refined um, vegetable oils getting those out of the diet canola soy sunflower safflower you know all Mm. of those sort of quote-unquote fake vegetable oils
0: I was going to add that to your fourth as a fourth item to your list of things to remove. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes, that is definitely something to remove. One hundred percent. They're very, very toxic, very unstable, very inflammatory. Um, loaded with so many omega sixes, which is is pro-inflammatory. Um, so definitely taking those out, and then fruits, vegetables, and eating a variety of them. And when it comes to carbohydrates, just not fearing them. You know, especially if you have adrenal depletion. And low thyroid output, you really need carbohydrates. But mm. it's just being conscious of the kind of carbohydrates you're eating, you know, mm-hmm. not overdoing it with starchy carbohydrates and not overdoing it with like rice and bread and pasta and things like mm-hmm. that, but having more like sweet potato or plantain and squashes. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of grains, focusing on gluten-free grains, but everybody can tolerate those differently. And mm-hmm. s- sometimes they can pose an issue with thyroid issues. So just being conscious of, of your grain intake. Mm-hmm. Um, but that right there is, is. I mean, you're left with a lot of variety. And totally. I just think like, a, yes, I feel like a lot of people don't, um, because maybe they don't cook a lot, they don't mm. realize how delicious it can be and the variety that is actually available to them Um, because so many people and this is what I I always joke with my clients I'm like I guarantee if I followed you around for seven days you are eating the same like five to six things over and over and over and over again totally (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah, herbs and spices. Yeah. I'm such a an advocate mm, for yes. it, and actually, my um I collaborate with a healthy whole food chef uh, here in Australia that sort of works with me on recipes, and she does Amazing. a prepackaged meal delivery service um, that's inspired by sort of Ayurvedic medicine, and beautiful. Um, Oh, it's the food is insane. Like, and the, the spice mixes are so good. And my, my sister's also a chef and she start recently started a herb and spice business. And so I'm amazing. sort of shouting at the rooftops that you can have the eight, you can actually even eat the f- same five or six things and make them taste 10 different amazing ways.
1: Totally. Yes. That is 100% true. Um, oh my God. My cupboard is loaded with so many spices mm. and herbs and um, especially this time of year, you know, it's summer now. And so We have like our garden in the backyard and we're growing you know organic kale and zucchini and cucumber and tomatoes awesome. and then we have our little herb garden with mint and parsley and chives and cilantro and you know all of the herbs and it's just so fun to go out there and and pick um what's left that the bunny leaves us because the bunny goes <laughs> there and steals everything um but yeah you know there's so much variety um and there's yeah and they're so healing
0: oh so healing absolutely yeah so, I was going to say as well, You were, in there you were talking about like the psychology, you touched on the psychology of like fats don't make you fat. So, here's what I'm proposing in the world, right, is that people don't actually realize the word carbohydrate and the word protein are actually biochemistry terms and in order for us to break that psychology, I think, I think, tell me if you agree, I think we should stop calling it fats and start calling it the other biochemistry term which matches those two, which is lipids. Oh, um, yeah. They're lipids, right? And totally. so we, we'll, we'll stop connecting fats make me fat because it's the same word.
1: Totally. Oh, my God. I love that. It's so true. It's so true. I'm, I'm going to have to start saying lipids in replace of fats every time now, moving forward. Yeah. We've just
0: started a movement.
1: Yeah. I love it. No, that's, <laughs> that's so great.
0: I love it. So you're obviously so amazing and wonderful. Where can everybody find you and your stuff online?
1: Oh, thank you. Um, I love hanging out on Instagram. So you can find me there at holistic wellness foodie. Um, I'm always posting over there and sharing all kinds of delicious recipes. Um, you can head on over to my website, holisticwellness.ca. wellness.ca. And um, if you are looking to cook up some really delicious food, then definitely grab my book, the 30 day hormone solution. Uh, the first half of the book is all about women's hormones and cycles and thyroid health and adrenals and liver detox and sleep and. All of the good stuff. And then the second half of the book is 60 gluten-free grain-free recipes.
0: Thank you. Awesome. So for everybody listening, I will chuck all of those links and show notes down in the show notes below. So you can just scroll down, click them, follow Samantha on Instagram and hit up her website and get her book. It was an Amazon bestseller, so you gotta get your hands on it. It's awesome. (laughs) Um, and also to wrap up, what is one piece of health information, just one, that you wish more people knew about?
1: Ooh. Well, I feel like this is a really obvious one, but maybe we don't implement it enough. Mm-hmm. And that is to drink more water.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Yes. To hydrate. We're so under hydrated. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. Drink more water, especially in, an, in a society where we love our caffeine, which can be very dehydrating. I do love my coffee. Um, but yes, to <laughs> hydrate. It's a bit of a diuretic. And for sure. And drink more water. Absolutely.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I've really loved our conversation.
1: Thank you. Me too. It was a pleasure to be here.
0: All right. We'll catch you soon. Take care. Bye.